This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome one, welcome all to the Simple Politics Podcast. I'm your host and political grape, Kobe Amanaka. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host and political vineyards, oh. Tatten and Diane. How are you guys doing this week? I could have a glass of wine. No, I actually could. <laughs> half term. Half term worse. Half term, half term. Bit frazzled. <laughs> no, I'm all right, really. Um, but no, I've got a lovely mug of tea, so it's all good. Tea or wine. That's the, that's the, gets you through half terms. <laughs> do you have a, do you have a specific type of wine, a tipple that you prefer, Diane? I love a Malbec. Okay. Is that good? I don't know if that's mm. good. I don't know. I don't know. Just not a nice label. A nice label in Tesco's. <laughs> Goodness me. This this pre-politics chat that you two get into just gets more and more middle class every single week. We had snowboarding last week. We're talking about Chablis and Merlots I, this week. I didn't say Chablis. No. <laughs> This, this is a podcast about the hard political cut and thrust. And here are you two. Oh, goodness me. With our tasting notes. <laughs> I should stay to this point. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a wine guy, but I do like visiting a vineyard. I think it's quite, it's quite a nice place to spend uh, an of afternoon. Of course you do, Kobe. Of course you do. <laughs> How are you doing, Saturn? Do you have a tipple? I love a uh, rosé from the Provencal region of France. Um... Nice and Classic. pale and crisp and cold. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Okay, step away from the middle class uh, <laughs> direction we're, we're trajectory we're falling into, as decreed by Tatten. Should we head to the first part of the podcast? To you guys, to listeners, if this is your first time, we go through the top posts of the week as posted on the Instagram feed. What do we have as number three, Tatten? In at three is Rail Strikes. Charlotte put us together with a new format because she's a brilliant and they're just looking at all the strikes we've got this week. It's uh, FA Cup final weekend and FA Cup final. It's, it's the first ever, I think, or first for a long time final between the two Manchester, Manchester. teams, United and City. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. And so all the fans have to get from Manchester to London. Not by train, they ain't doing it. So that's that's problematic. The unions said that they haven't, they didn't look at events. These are just the weekends that worked. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting is we've 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 talked about strikes on this podcast till we're blue in the face. But the comments on the posts are turning. It's really noticeable. There's still lots of solidarity with the striking workers, but more and more people are getting annoyed with it. These have been going on for six months now, maybe, these rail strikes, and people have have had enough and their patience has been tested to the limit. So it's going to be really interesting to see 
as we go on through the summer with more healthcare staff striking and we're expecting more teacher strikes in, in the autumn. Is this going to continue to where the public are moving to a position that the Conservative Party have been suggesting the public have been inhabiting for a while? And it is a real stalemate, isn't it? This morning I saw the Aslef Union guy on the news and he said they haven't been in a negotiation since January. They haven't actually been doing the negotiating since January, which just feels like a very long time ago. One of my best friends, he's, uh, he's an Aslef uh, unionised uh, train driver. So I, I just you know, dropped a message today to say, you know, good luck. You said just then, Tatton, that the the rail unions say they haven't looked at the calendar before doing this. Obviously, it's a big disruption because of the FA Cup finals, a few other things happening this weekend. But the amount of people travelling for the FA Cup surely is a lot less than on a daily basis of people commuting in and out of London on a, on a regular basis, right? If they have, you know, keeping it on the down low, timed it to happen today, it's more about what happens in the press. That means they're looking for press attention here because if there's another train strike on a regular day, then it's less likely to draw attention, right? I think that people find it hard when it's their fun that's been taken away rather than their commute. I mean, people get very upset with the commute, whatever, but when it's a once-in-a-lifetime day and... There's a strike on Friday and Saturday. So if you di- if the only way you could get from Manchester to, to, to London is by train, then you have to come down on Thursday between the strike days. And that's a lot more hotel bills or whatever else it might be. It's these moments of joy that we always find worse to be disrupted, even if, I mean, what, 80, Wembley holds 80,000 people. And you're absolutely right. 80,000 people in terms of train strikes across the country is minimal. But we all kind of feel for them on their day on their trip to to Wembley. I mean, Manchester City haven't been to Wembley for about forty five minutes, so that's tough for them. What was the second most popular post this week, Diane? Chocolate bars, woohoo! Yay! So yeah, let's talk about food again for a bit. No, in it too. Mars Limited have said that they're changing the wrapper on a Mars bar temporarily, and it's only a trial, and it's only in five hundred. Tesco superstores, but they've found a recyclable paper version of their packaging that they think could work rather than plastic. And this story really struck a chord with me because I've told Tatton because I'm a bit of a geek, but at the weekend I was on the beach and I was in the dunes and we were like digging and messing around and I found a Twix wrapper from the 70s and a crisp packet from the 70s. So it just makes you think when you think you throw stuff away, it doesn't go away. It literally doesn't go away. So plastic, we want to try and, you know, get rid of on all our stuff. But what has been really, really interesting in all the articles around this Mars wrapper trial is the packaging specialists, and there are a lot of them, talk about what compromises we want to make to be greener. Okay, because there is a lot of crisp packets out there in the world. But if you said tomorrow, let's put crisps in paper packets, they'd be disgusting. They'd be all greasy and, you know, it it would be horrible. So there's a lot of research going on with consumers at the minute as to how far you push that. You know, how far do we want to be green versus get the product the way we get it at the minute? And that's really, really interesting conversation, I think. That's a really wonderful way into such a large conversation. Like, what are we prepared to do to reach net zero? 
there's a really interesting bit in a book that I wrote about this. Politics for Better coming out in September. Lovely people. Z stands for zero emissions. And it's a real treat of a chapter at the end of a wonderful book. Pre-order now uh, on Amazon or Waterstones or Harbour Books and Whitstable. Politics for Better. That's that contractual obligation done for the week. What are we prepared to do? Are we prepared to have rations on petrol diesel are we prepared to to walk more are we prepared to put electricity prices up so that we don't use it so we use a minimum possible what are we going to do because these tiny little things that we're doing now are not going to save us we're not going to reach net zero anytime soon and you see debates already so, you know on places like gb news saying we're doing too much this religion of net zero they talk about is sacrificing what we want the green party are saying we'll go all the way we're going to make life will have to be more uncomfortable because this life isn't sustainable and most other political parties are saying, well, we have to protect our way of life and blah, 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 blah. What we're prepared to do to stop the oncoming storm is hard because, because well, we don't want crisps to be a bit greasier. And actually here in this country, global warming seems quite distant. Like we can understand that the top 10 hottest years ever have been since 2003. We can understand that, but we quite like the bit of extra heat. We don't appreciate how bad climate change is going to make our lives, as well as our children's lives, obviously, and the lives of people far away. So it's hard to sacrifice what you want. If Mars bars can just be a bit better, then exactly. let's do that. Yeah, it's a drop in the ocean, but my goodness, let's just have lots of drops in the ocean. We need them. Lots of baby steps. And this is, for me, this is a no-brainer. There's kind of discourse on this on this post talking about uh, it used to be paper in the 70s why is it a big deal to go back and also there's other types of wrapping which ostensibly feel like plastic but technically aren't plastic but are biodegradable i feel there's a lot of options we can peruse here obviously mars bar using this as one big pr push for me it's just like well just look if it works and it tastes the same when you open it then let's do it what we're we waiting for let's get on with it there's going to be bigger sacrifices along the way and i don't think this i don't feel i can't see how this is going to be one of the, the largest ones i'm thinking aloud here Right, and that's never something I should do. Uh oh. But if you go to an old-fashioned chocolate shop, there's no there's no wrapping. The chocolates are just they're behind a counter, and they'll like put them in a box for you. Could there not be shops around the place that sold all your chocolate bars naked, like without any packaging? Is that possible? There's places now we can go and get your your rice from a bucket. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So it's not yeah. all prepackaged. Yeah, absolutely. We're just hooked on convenience. That's the thing. What is the most popular post this week, Tatin? So the most popular post is uh, Tower Hamlets Council, which is uh, a an area of London that is um, has some quite serious poverty issues within it. I mean, there's obviously some swanky bits too, because that's how cities work. But it's got some serious pockets of deprived housing and all that kind of thing. And they have got approval to have free school meals for everyone. Every secondary school pupil in the area will be eligible for a free school meal. So the canteen will just be open. Now, I've taught in schools in areas like Tower Hamlets, and we had in those schools 70% free school meals already. So when it says open the offer to everyone, we're not talking about 
like most people are getting free school meals anyway. It's quite controversial because it is going to spend spend quite a lot of money. They say they're doing it because everyone deserves a meal and we can't work. It's the people at the cutoff that really struggle. The ones who just don't qualify. Because to just not qualify, you don't have to be rolling in money. You just, just, just not quite poor enough. That's a horrible term to use. So it just removes that cutoff and says everyone. Everyone is entitled to a decent lunch. And that's the opposite of false economies. That's what we're trying to get away from, right? The naysayers are essentially saying we're spending money, but that's... Well, I mean, the naysayers, Cobes, the, nays the naysayers just say that's going to cost a lot of money. And one thing that Tower Hamlets Council does not have is a lot of money. So you And you will be paying for lunch for people who can afford it, who are well above the threshold. You will be paying for lunch for children from very well-off households. Not many, presumably, but mm. some. Yeah. And is that the best way to spend money when your cash is tight? But that's the, the conundrum with the universal offer, isn't it? So everyone's in and that's it. Okay, guys, let's head to the mailbag. This is the part where we get the readers and listeners to ask the questions. Diane, do we have any questions this week? We do. We're going all out on one question this week because I think it's going to need a little bit of explaining. It's a bit more of a technical question kind of tatten speciality. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's from Rebecca Stevens on Instagram. I think she knows a bit about politics to ask this question. And Rebecca asks whether we should have a British Bill of Rights. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but I do remember it being in the headlines fairly recently. And I remember this is something to do with Dominic Raab, if I'm right. So, tatten, maybe just what would a Bill of, of Rights B, and do we need one? Wow, Rebecca, going in hard this week. Uh, that's cool. People who aren't politics purists might want to skip ahead <laughs> a couple of minutes. I love this stuff. I absolutely love this stuff. So uh, here we go. Now, we have a constitution in this country, like everybody has a constitution, which is a rule book, but our rule book isn't written down. So it's called uncodified if you're feeling like a politics level student, right? It's not written down. It's in lots of different places. And some of it isn't even written down at all. It's just based on tradition. Traditions change all the time. Those who argue for a written down version like they have in America, you've heard them talk about their constitution all the time. They want a clear rule book because they say that a rule book stops the bullies. If you all know the rules, then you can apply to the referee and go, look, there's the rule. And you're going to be going to be safer. And the people who want it unwritten say there's too, there needs to be flexibility. Now, all of this argument is boiled down into a Bill of Rights, because a Bill of Rights wouldn't be the whole Constitution. It would just say to you, Rebecca, these are your rights. You're not allowed to be fired because you've got pregnant. You're not allowed to be put to prison without a trial. You're not allowed. Th these are your rights. And that sounds like, oh yeah, that's a, that sounds like something we'd like. We'd like to have something written down that told us what our rights are. But our rights are, are flexible because like, one of our rights is to vote in elections. But in Scotland and Wales, you can vote at 16 in their elections and not in England. And there's a big campaign to change voting age to 16 anyway. And so there needs to be some level of flexibility. We, can't, we already can't have a Bill of Rights for the UK because there are people have different rights, for example, that voting right in different parts of the UK. So it's impossible 
to list our rights for everyone. So anything would be in England if it was the Westminster Parliament was putting it together. And it would have to be very amendable. Last week, there were three bills that were passed giving people who are carers the right to a week off or five days off spread across the year to fulfill caring obligations or whatever it might be. And that's now a right that we've got. It's, it's in our legislation. It's a small change. So we would need a mechanism to make lots of small changes to our Bill of Rights as we go along. And the reason why I don't think we should have a written Bill of Rights is because it wouldn't give us any more rights. Just writing them down in one place wouldn't give us anything extra, and it would make it harder to give us extra rights when extra rights come along, like they did last week with the Carers Leave Act of 2023. So I don't see the point of it. It's quite a conservative thing. Dominic Raab wanted to bring one in because it's all about protection of those rights and it's all about protection from the state and the worry that the state, there is creep if the state into all of our lives. But I think that it creates difficulty and I don't see much benefit from it. That's fair. That's fair. Hopefully, Rebecca, Tatton's answered your question convincingly enough for you. And you can go away and maybe discuss it around a few uh, Merlots and Chablis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And let us know if you agree. Do you agree with Tatton? Yeah, let us know. Last week, guys, we were spying on Sir Keir Starmer. Are we still with him or are we going back to Rishi? Tell us. We're back to Rishi. It's been this. It's been recess. It's been a quiet week for everyone. Um, so we're we're kind of back to Rishi, but um, not overly because he's not been very active. Listen, when we say he's not been very active, same with Keir Starmer. Both of them are so busy all the time. Like they are busy meeting people and talking to people. Blah, blah, blah. The Interesting story of the week came uh, on the Sunday newspapers because the government and Rishi Sunak, although often says Rishi Sunak, even though he's probably not very involved at all himself, are talking to the major supermarkets about capping food prices. And the idea is it's just something we can do. Let's just say now we're going to stop food inflation on the most important things. And the example they gave was milk and bread and the SP commentariat uh, didn't like the idea that milk was a, was a, was an essential because they said that we could be drinking alternatives and that's probably true. Uh, and they didn't like the bread was essential. And I couldn't quite follow the arguments as to why bread isn't essential. These are the things that are most often bought by people and that have been going up the most. So just things like that, those two and a Merlot uh, should be capped <laughs> so they don't keep getting more expensive. And we can just do it. Which is going to done is the idea. It doesn't cost the taxpayer anything. Let's just get it done. And uh, there's been quite a lot of pushback about it. The shops don't like it. The shops say they're already slashing prices on these things already coming down. They want the flexibility. There's concern that if you cap milk in particular, milk milk comes from farmers and farmers need to be paid properly because they've got overheads. And it's possible if you stop paying farmers properly, they just won't produce the milk, in which case you get shortages, in which case prices go up, but they're capped. So prices of everything else go up to keep that price low. It, it, gets, it gets very, very difficult very quickly. But 
France are doing something similar. Not all the supermarkets in France are involved, but they're doing something similar. And the idea is we've got to do we've got to do something. And do you know, what? I, I I say on this podcast several times. I like it when there's a problem and the government comes up with a solution, and the opposition might come up with a different solution. But it's that's where politics comes in. This is our idea. This is what we think should happen. This is what we should. Think. Okay, great. Let's debate which of these solutions is the best. And this is a solution they've come up with. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but we'll see. I think more the fact that they're talking about it and almost have got an eye on the big supermarkets is a positive for me because I think they should be looking at those staples. And I know people might have whatever reasons for not for not having bread, but, you know, if you make packed lunches on a regular basis, you, you know, you need that to be cheap. So maybe just bringing this into the conversation is the right thing to do. Um, like we talked a lot last week about the period products and supermarkets being encouraged to do the right thing. Maybe this is another example of let's really make it up there in the public consciousness and hopefully get them to look at some of this and look at the big you know, loss leaders. I think also here, we always refer to the supermarkets when we talk about these price changes, but there are also the smaller shops that can be family owned family run establishments which and numerous in places like london where they're across the road from my where my flat was and i spent maybe half my grocery time shopping time in there these guys will suffer more than the supermarkets if there is any kind of cap on price well it would only be voluntary and it's only specifically for the big shops okay so that's that's a big thing to know so if it's for the big shops so my concerns were with the farmers and the you know the producers because they're always squeezed and we're hearing more and more about them being squeezed and also the, the the smaller outlets and if it's voluntary as well it'd be interesting to see how that goes we can if it's voluntary they could roll it back if it doesn't seem to work <laughs> What will be the big stories for next week? Diane. I've got some big news, huge news. I've got a prop for it. Do you see my prop? Yes, for a podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. It doesn't fit over my headphones, but I have a, a holiday hat. Oh, beautiful. Yes, I'm going on holiday next week. So, yeah, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure it will be an even better podcast next week. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I'm in all kinds of trouble next week. I'm in all kinds of trouble. Like, you will see, lovely listener, and uh, I hope that you read uh, the SP Instagram page or Facebook or Twitter, wherever else. Um, you will see such a dramatic drop in quality of post. The way in which Diane keeps it going will be very very obvious to you unfortunately in parliament next week it's quite quiet parliament is back but uh there's they're, they're doing lots of kind of general debates and and bits and pieces so hopefully we'll be okay <laughs> we'll see but i should also add next week we will be having the wonderful charlotte is going to join us charlotte makes her inaugural appearance her first appearance on the podcast amazing yeah we will chat with charlotte and then, and then Charlotte, having crept in to the podcast, will then be hosting the podcast when Kobe goes on holiday. So we're going to have lots of Charlotte coming up soon, and she's brilliant. And if the SP pages aren't terrible next week, it's because Charlotte has managed to step up. And if they are, it's because Charlotte's been poorly or something, and it's just <laughs> me, and it's just... Just dross. Diane, hope you have a fantastic holiday. Um, Thank you. Having all the Chablis, Merlot, 
Malbec uh, that Portugal has to offer you. Tatten is rolling his eyes here. How dare we? Guys, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as always. And we'll see you next week. Apart from you, Diane, because you'll be on holiday. You just heard a stripped media production. 